0: Greetings everyone, thank you for tuning in. This is Hear Her Sports and I'm Elizabeth Emery. Joining me this week is triathlete and coach Kristen Lamb. It was super fun to talk about her incredibly active childhood. Her mom coached at St. Lawrence University for 34 years. So Kristen was surrounded by amazing athletic role models from her mom to all the college athletes that she saw training and competing. We also talk about her own training and how she fits in everything required of triathletes. She's been called selfish for taking time away from her family to train, so we talk about that, and also other barriers women face to remain physically active throughout their lives. She coaches sprint, Olympic, half-iron, and Ironman triathletes. She has some stories from that. Just this past weekend, Kristen PR'd by two minutes and a half Ironman, so she obviously knows how to train and how to continue improving. This year she increased her focus on strength training and fueling for performance. Welcome Kristen, it is so terrific you made the time to be here. A huge thank you because I know you're in the thick of training right now. You know what I'd like to ask you to start just with, you were a very sporty kid and I'm interested, like how did you get started in sports? So um, I
1: really attribute that to my mom. I grew up in in a college town, St. Lawrence University in the middle of upstate New York. She was a coach there for 34 years, coached from 1966 to 2000 when she retired. She took on tennis, alpine skiing um, in the early years and then really focused on women's field hockey and the cross. She was chair of the women's athletic department from, I think it was 1968 to 74 when the programs merged. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, always, always moving, you know, and getting some of her friends who weren't as sporty to move. I mean, she had kayaks and would get friends to, to go kayaking with her in the Adirondacks. Um, you know, my mom is a great communicator, loved talking to people, and she just got people involved. Um, and, you know, she did that as a coach from a young age. would see uh, an athlete and be like, you know what, you would make a great lacrosse goalie. Um, and sure enough, like get this kid, you know, in, in pads and, you know, I can think of a few athletes where, you know, she brought them into the sport and that's really cool because I think a lot of that can be intimidating and she wasn't an intimidating force. You know, she really taught them that, you know, they could do this and explore it. And, you know, there's what's nothing, nothing's wrong with exploring. If you don't like it, then you don't like it. But if you find something you love, that's great. So... I was constantly surrounded by sport in this college town. And obviously my mother was, you know, fully engrossed in it. So my, my social time with friends was I was, I was going to the college and I was running around the track. I was shooting hoops. I was, I was swimming. I was watching college hockey games, soccer games. It was just, it's what I did for fun with my friends. My mom, you know, loved golf. Like she would take me out on the golf course at a young age. You know, we were always biking or cross country skiing um, or hiking a mountain. You know, it's again, I feel like that was, she was a very progressive woman and it was something that she knew that she loved. And unfortunately for her, she didn't have the opportunity that I had. So I really think she wanted to open those those doors for me to allow me to explore what she didn't have access to. Her teams, her field hockey and lacrosse team. I would get out of school early as um, as a kid and get to go away on a Friday to. Away games, which was awesome. I would ride. It was before the time of like the big coach buses. They would have two two vans, and I would travel on the vans with all these cool, sporty college girls. And I just had so many role models to look up to, which was great. I would be the ball girl on the side of the field. Um, so I was I was really lucky. And um, my mom was friends with a lot of the other coaches. I think you know that I played ice hockey growing up. Um, she knew the ice hockey coach well. So even when I was in high school, I was able to go skate with the ice hockey team at St. Lawrence. So I was really, really fortunate to have the opportunity of growing up with my mom as a coach and on a college campus and just had some great female role models from a very, very young age.
0: Do you remember Title IX passing?
1: Um, I do remember. My mom actually also um, wrote a book book. It's called Women's Sports at St. Lawrence University from the beginnings to, to Title IX. So That's I awesome. do, it is pretty awesome. So, and it's not like, um, you know, Amazon or anything like that, but it was just, it's very interesting to read the history of sport at St. Lawrence. So um, huge milestone. And I do remember at St. Lawrence, it was um, a big shakeup when Title IX happened. The men's wrestling team. Which was pretty successful, got cut to accommodate Title IX. So I remember that being very controversial back back in the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when we spoke before, I told you, um, well, my mom coached field hockey and lacrosse, and I always said to my mom, "I don't want to play field hockey. I want to play the real hockey. Like I want to be on ice. Like I want to do, you know, what what the boys are doing." And we didn't have um, field hockey or lacrosse. You know, at my school where I grew up, I did love lacrosse. I probably would have played lacrosse had that been the case. So, yeah, definitely, you know, early in the 80s, I played hockey. I really kind of missed that boat for girls hockey. It's so exciting to see the USA team now and how far they've come. Um, St. Lawrence is in upstate New York. It's a big Division One for both men and women Um it was something that was really exciting for me and something that I definitely loved. So I started skating when I was two, you know, played in like the, the house league with the boys, um, you know, all growing up, you know, into middle school. Um, I would get up so incredibly early before my parents were even awake, get all my gear on, um, would wait for my dad to come out and tie my skates because I wasn't strong enough to do that. My mom, you know, she couldn't tie them tight enough according to me. So it was kind of cool. I was, I I felt like I was just, you know, one of them. I played first line with the boys. Um, The boys treated me great. Um, As I got a little older, things got a little bit more tricky. Eventually, you know, we would normally just wear like, you know, sweatpants underneath our gear and stuff. But as, you know, I got up into seventh and eighth grade, I had to have a separate locker room. So that got a little tricky, but I still, you know, loved being with them and playing with them, and I was, you know, completely accepted. Um, started to play with them in high school, and then the checking became an issue, and just the size difference, and I had the wind taken out of me a few times on the <laughs> ice. And that's when my parents were like, okay, <laughs> enough is enough. But there wasn't really um, a girls' team. My um, high school had just started a girls' team, so I went out skated with them and half of them were on figure skates and i mean huge kudos to them like they they didn't have the opportunity that i had to learn to skate at such a young age so you know they were out there and you know they were killing it but i had a lot more experience on the ice than they did so i was frustrated and basically told my parents you know what if i can't play with the boys then i'm not going to i'm not going to play at all so we explored some opportunities and I was fortunate enough to be able to um, living so close to Canada. I was able to find a team, and um, I commuted and I played with them. And it was um, super competitive. Um, I got to play against um, like Cami Granato because we played um, a lot of the colleges, um, which was great. Tons of tournaments in Toronto, and it was it was an awesome opportunity. Kind of like saved my 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 hockey career. So it's kind of my my ice hockey story. Um, just cool. just loved it to the point like we would have a storm and a little teeny tiny puddle would freeze in my backyard and I would be out on my skates with like a stick and a puck. I don't know how I was even skating, but it was like my favorite thing to do just to find any frozen piece of
0: ice to, to get on as a, as a child. So it wow. was definitely a passion for sure. Tell me a little bit about your own training right now.
1: So my recent addiction is triathlon, specifically Ironman triathlon. I started in 2009, you know, I got hooked when I did this, you know, first triathlon that my personal trainer convinced me to do. After that, you know, maybe two months after that, I bought my first road bike. I remember crossing the finish line of this, you know, this low. I mean, it wasn't even a race that you paid for, it was just like a handful of people, maybe 20 people that were out there to swim, bike and run the finish line I was like wow this this is it this is what I've been searching for so a few months later i wait, wait.
0: i gotta got stop you so what was it about the the triathlon that you knew right away i love that you
1: know what i just think like I said I, I i have that competitive drive in my body and now it's like all right this is something that I can do I can put three disciplines together and it's all me like I'd never really been a individual sport person I was like you know this is it like I don't have to rely on you know others showing up you know and it was something that I'd never really done before and it, and it was it was challenging you know I was like I, I can swim bike and run and when I finished I was like wow like the swim was in the ocean and that was kind of like crazy and, and scary but I did it and I had never really clipped in on a bike before and I I loved the bike portion of it I loved going fast and I used to hate running. I mean, I grew up playing soccer and like running was kind of our our punishment. But I ran and I felt great. And I was just like, you know what, this, this is what I need right now. So in 2010, I signed up after I had my new road bike, I signed up for like 10 sprints. Um, in 2011, I, you know, kind of graduated to the Olympic distance um i was able to compete with team usa in 2012 and 13 in 2012 i went to auckland new zealand um in 2013 i went to london you basically do a national race and you have to qualify to get a you know you race as an amateur for team usa but you race against people from all over the world so that was really really cool to get to go some cool places um I did my first half in 2012 and I remember finishing my first half and I was like, oh my God, the people who do Ironman, they're just crazy. I can't even imagine doing that distance a whole nother time. And I swore that I would never, ever, ever in a million years do it. I just, I didn't think I had it in me. 2013, I continued racing all three of those distances, sprint, Olympics and halves. And then something just flipped in my mind in 2014. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring and just try this Iron Man thing. Just try it once. I gotta see what it's all chalked up to be. I mean, you see all different ages, shapes, sizes, abilities. I was like, you know what? like if I know I can do this, I just have to put the time in. So you know, I got the buy-in from my husband. He's like, if you want to do it, you know, get it out of your blood, just just make it happen. And I had the registration up on my screen and my computer and it kept timing out because I was too chicken to actually hit, you know, hit the button. And when I did, it was like this panic, like overcame me, but I was also super, super excited. And, you know, I had a, I had a coach at that time and um, it was exciting to me because I had been doing like the shorter distance stuff. So, you know, your intensity level is, is, is much harder. You're, you know, pushing a really high heart rate, you know, you're swimming biking and running, you know, really pretty fast at the, obviously the sprint and Olympic and even the half, you know, you can push it a lot more. So it was a totally different type of training, more aerobic based. So I like that. Um, and I started hitting these milestones, like, you know, riding my bike farther than I ever had and running a lot farther off the bike. And that was just, it was really fun and exciting to me.
0: What I don't understand about the triathlon and particularly the Ironman is how does a normal person fit that kind of training in their day? I mean, you have other stuff that you're doing. You have kids, you have a family, you have work, you know, it's
1: It's just a lot of training, a lot of training. (laughs) It's a lot of of early hours. And, you know, uh, you know, I coach a lot of long course athletes now. And, you know, a lot of people don't have the time. But it's, you know, what your expectations are, you know, are you happy with a 15, 16, 17 hour Ironman, like some people can only put some people can do Ironman on 10 hours a week of training. Really, the the bulk of your training doesn't really start until like the when it's really go time, it's like 12 weeks out. So three months of training, but you know, I'm not going to lie to you, there's mornings, you know, you're up at Four o'clock. I have friends who have, you know, really big time jobs and are doctors and they'd be on their trainer at 3.30 in the morning. You know, it definitely takes a a drive and a passion to want to be able to do this. So, you know, like they say, like if, if it's important to you, you, you find the time. I coach a guy who's president of an advertising company and, you know, his training can change day to day, week to week. It's a little bit of a challenge, but we have to you know, adjust it, you know, maybe he can't get a two hour ride in because a, a meeting comes up. So we give him a 45 minute ride with a little bit more intensity. So, you know, you have to be flexible, but it's a lot of early mornings. Um, I try to do my stuff on the weekends super early. So I'm back to be able to spend time with my family. And And, and again, everyone's plan is going to differ based on how much, how much time they have and really what, what their goals are. But you make time for what you love. And that's how I guess I I explain it. Uh,
0: Somebody comes to you and they're interested in doing a Ironman, but they really don't have that much time. Would you try to fit the training for an Ironman into their schedule or would you encourage them to maybe do a half or, or the sprint distance? You
1: know, people typically, I mean, I've had a few, I have an athlete last year who found me on Ironman coach match and Young kid, awesome, like great athlete, great person. He has an extremely busy job. He's an attorney for Major League Baseball players, and we spoke. And he's like, "So I'm signed up for Ironman Texas." I was like, "You do know that that's like like three and a half months away?" He's like, "Oh, I know." And I was like, "Okay, you've never done any sort of triathlon before, not even a sprint." So we kind of talked it through, and he's like, "I will do everything you tell me to do. I can make time for this. This is like." a bucket list dream goal for me, like, please help me get there. And he was the athlete who made it all work. You know, he travels a lot, he would find a pool wherever he was at, Um, he would find a track, he would hop on a spin bike if he had to. So it's really figuring out how much time that athlete thinks that they can give me and working with that. But it, it takes constant communication, because You know, as you know, life changes. Um, We're not, none of us are professional athletes and there's other things in our lives, whether it's kids or spouses or, you know, jobs, one or two jobs. So you kind of have to get creative with how you're going to make it work. I typically wouldn't take on someone who's never done a triathlon before and wants to jump into an Ironman, but just knowing this guy's background and how, um, active he was, he had done marathons before, I, I felt like he was one that was going to be able to follow through with it. So in the company that I coach for, Breakthrough Performance Coaching, we do work with shorter course athletes, but primarily people come to us more so looking for guidance when they're taking on like the half or really the, the full distance. So, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, I like them to make the progression of, you know, starting small and kind of building up to that, that larger distance. A lot of my athletes are like, I only want to do a half. It's my bucket list. You know, they do a half. The next year they're doing three halves. And then now they're full on into to Ironman. So it's,
0: right. it's
1: the journey. I think it's just, it's something really special. And the people who do it get it and understand it. And, you know, really anyone can do it you know, anything is possible. You just, you have to find the time, you know, to do the work. And I still have a coach, even though I'm a coach, I like to be told what to do. And, you know, if I had to program my own workouts, I probably would scale back and be like, I should be doing this, but I don't really want to be doing that. So, but I love being held accountable. I love getting out there and pushing my body. Um, even when I'm tired, I always feel amazing when I'm done. So,
0: you talked a lot about waking up early to do the training. Sometimes, how do you like? Do you have advice for people who are struggling to get up? Like, how do you make that happen?
1: Yeah, and it's it's you know it's a hot topic because I mean I'm sure you understand the importance of sleep these days too. And right, you know that sleep piece is is really critical to recovery and performance and not getting sick. So, um, you know, again, you do have to make a lot of sacrifices to do the sport, I feel like it's taken me quite a while to actually really find that balance. And, you know, I mentioned before, you know, your training for this long course stuff is, is periodized. So, you know, I know when my really busy times are going to be, so I know I'm going to have to scale back maybe on some, some social things. Um, and, and that can be tough, but I also know I, I pick an Ironman Lake Placid is kind of my, my jam and that's in July. And I know after that, you know, I have the month of August to be more social and be with my friends. So I think, if you're doing this, you have to have a passion. You know, everyone has a story. Why, why do you want to do this? And my alarm goes off in the morning. And, you know, I know the people that I'm racing against, you know, they're probably getting up early too. And I can choose to stay in bed or, you know, I can go up and and chase what I love and know that I'm going to feel good once I get it done. It's also, it's a great start to your day. If I don't do my workout, I kind of feel a little bit, bad about myself I just feel so much better like my body craves movement so yeah it's hard especially you know being in New England in the winter and it's freezing cold outside and your alarm goes off and you got to get up and go to the pool like for me there's nothing worse than that but once I'm in the pool and I'm swimming I'm so grateful that I got there another big part of it is you know a lot of times people will question um, I've had people question me you know as a mom and doing this sport is it selfish? I'm taking away time with, from my family and my kids. And, you know, I kind of went down that path a little bit. And you speak to my kids. Actually, when I brought it up to them, my oldest almost started crying. It was like, you have to keep doing Ironman. Like, I love it. And they've become a part of it big time. You know, they've made so many friends with kids on our team. They love going to Lake Placid. And I do feel like I'm kind of a room model for them. Like, Teaching them if, if there's something that you're passionate about, you got to get out there and, and go for it and, and do it. And, and it's not that I want to push them to do Ironman or triathlon. I just want them to find something that they're passionate about and, and, and go for it and, and dive in. Because, you know, as they say, like, uh, you know, do what you love and you, you'll have a happy life.
0: What barriers have you found from your athletes that prevent them from doing the work? and what kind of advice do you give them
1: you know it, it's it's tough you you have to have that check in with athletes when you notice that workouts aren't getting done so you know we use an online software application called training peak so i schedule all my workouts for my athletes on sunday they get their workouts and i understand you're not going to get everything in but if you see you know an athlete who maybe keeps skipping their long rides you you have to have that that check-in like why do you want to do this we always sit down before I work with an athlete and I want to know kind of what are your goals you know for the season are you looking to just cross the finish line are you looking for you know a PR so it's a constant reminder of why, why are you, why are you doing this event? Like usually people have a story. So, and it's, it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. There's times where burnout happens, I think, especially in the winter. And a lot of times too, it might be refocusing their training. Maybe the athlete is incredibly busy at work. They're looking at this plan and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to fit it in. So I need to break the ice on that conversation and say, all right, you know, what is it? Is it the early morning? Are you, are you lacking on sleep? How is your sleep? What's going on at home? You really have to get pretty personal with the athlete. We almost become somewhat of a a, a therapist. <laughs> so do have to kind of adjust um, the schedule and get them to refocus. Maybe it's a workout that's just too boring for them, so you're you're changing it up a little bit. So I would say just you know constant communication and helping remind them, you know what they're looking to uh, accomplish on race day. So refocusing them.
0: Right. It sounds like you really like to coach.
1: I do. I really do. It's the journey. You know, for me, it's helping an athlete accomplish something that they never thought was possible. That is so exciting and so rewarding to me. When you cross the finish line of your first Ironman, it's very emotional. It's like this amazing feeling of joy and accomplishment, and seeing people experience that feeling too, it's, it's, Super emotional, and working with athletes that I've worked with a few years now, who are still hitting PRs for you know a half marathon. Like that's the stuff that makes me makes me tick. Um, unlocking people's true potential and showing them that you know with a little dedication and hard work, you know you can accomplish great things. I love that. That's
0: cool. That's cool. Right. One thing I like about what we've been talking today about is that. You know, you you are very competitive. You've admitted you're competitive. But athletics and being sporty seems more a lifestyle decision for you than, you know, you're going out to win, which you are. But. Oh, oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't even say, like, the triathlon piece of it. Like I've mentioned, I've met so many awesome people in the sport. I'm competitive with myself. And one of the things that I love about it is no matter – who you are or how well you do, even if you come in first and you win that race, there's still a million things you're like, oh, I could have done, I could have done this better. Like I could have executed in transition better. I could have, you know, on this climb out of town, I should have skilled back my power and I would have been able to squeak out a a little bit faster pace, you know, on the run. So there's always room for improvement and it's, you know, self-improvement and it's just, it's learning to grow as, as, as an individual as well it's just the the desire to be active um you want to win and you want to do well but i feel like an iron man when you're out there on the course you're rooting for everyone you know what i mean it's it's a suffer fest and the fact that you're out there with all of those people and you know that we all kind of share this commonality it's a pretty pretty cool feeling so supporting others out there like i love that too i love that that piece of it i want to see people do well i really do And there's nothing better than going to the finish line at midnight of an Ironman. You know, those people who come in who are, you know, just under that 17 hours, I cry every time. It's just, you know, it's a huge goal for people and to be out there for 17 hours moving your body, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Like those people have got it going on and it's just, it's, it's inspiring on, on so many levels.
0: So let's go back to coaching a little bit. If somebody wants to start getting involved in triathlon, what would you suggest?
1: Um, you know what? I would suggest reaching reaching out to people and and talking. I mean, I love talking about the sport. I tell people all the time like reach out, ask me questions. Like obviously, you know, you want to gain more clients, but I enjoy sharing information. and It's important. You have to give away free information. Everyone's doing it. USA Triathlon has started this initiative called WIN, and it's basically to help drive female participation in the sport of triathlon. There is still a big difference in the amount of women to men who compete in triathlon. The membership for tri- USA Triathlon is only 38% women, so it's still very male-dominated, so they're really trying to get more women in into the sport. For women in general, you need to talk to women. You need to talk to people like myself and the other female coaches on our team or or women who are competing. Because from what I understand, it's, it's very intimidating. It's very, you know, male-driven. It's in a crazy expensive sport that never ends. The races are expensive. The gear is expensive. So, you know... Talk to people, start learning more. We have break the performance. We've actually won a few grants from USA Triathlon um, to help drive that women's participation in the sport. We did a um, all-female open water swim clinic, which was really fun. Got a great group of women out there. And I think it was just a stage where they felt comfortable. It was just our women coaches and they felt comfortable to ask questions that they probably wouldn't have felt comfortable asking had there been, you know, males at the clinic. We did a bike mechanic clinic as well, all females. So, um, you know, that's something that I'm passionate about, helping women feel comfortable. You got to talk to women who do it. The promising side of this is for the youth triathlon, there isn't as much as a barrier in participation. I think it's 46% females compared to to males. So that's a promising trend.
0: So you guys, obviously at Breakthrough Performance Coaching, made it a priority to get more women involved in triathlon. What are you seeing as the barriers? I mean, you talked a little bit about some of them. You know, is it fear? And a lot of conversations that I've had it's been suggested that it's fear that's keeping women from doing cycling, for example, and maybe that's the same for triathlon.
1: You know, I, I think fear is definitely a part of it. I think that also there's that, the the time constraints. How can I work a job, be a mom, and take this time away from my family to do something, you know, for myself? That's a big piece of it. Also, the financial piece of it. Unfortunately, you know, there's still barriers and males and females salaries unless you borrow a bike you borrow a wetsuit you borrow all this gear from people it's not really like you can sign up for a half marathon and all you need is a pair pair of sneakers but in the sport you need you need a lot of gear you know and I've talked to new athletes who've come to me and feel like oh we'll break through performance coaching like you're all this a bunch of like elite athletes and it's so not the case. We work with beginner beginners too, you know, those elite athletes who are looking for that coveted Kona slot. I love working with the the beginner beginner. There's so much room for growth and success and um, you know, that's what the sport is all about. I mean you can compete pretty much at any age. For two years I coached a, a couple they're in their their sixties and They came to me, and they wanted to do Ironman Mont Tremblant, and you know at first they they didn't want anyone to know that they were doing it. They were just going to walk the marathon together. They just wanted to finish, and then as they started training and started seeing some success, they started to kind of change their tune, and they finished Tremblant. They ran it. They did better than they ever expected. The next year I got them to sign up for Lake Placid, which – they were um, terrified about because it's you know trolan's really hilly, but you know Placid has this pretty scary descent, and you know they just I, I got them out of their comfort zone, and they they did they did amazing. So the fact that they're you know in their 60s and are able to compete you know in the 60 to sixty four age group that's 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 pretty cool.
0: That's great.: You know you also mentioned something I'm so glad you talked about this idea that you're you're hurting your family by spending time. You know, training for triathlon. I've heard that a lot. I've read that a lot. so I think I'm mm-hmm. thank you for talking about that, yeah, for sure. But,
1: you know, like I said, with my boys, I, I, number one, I think it makes us better moms. Like we need to take time for ourselves. Parenting is the most amazing thing. I'm so grateful to be a mom and have two boys. but I need, I need to be who I am as well. And like I said, show them, like find a passion and and chase it and follow it. And I know that my boys respect um, what I do. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, initially, I I think a lot of people will have a little kind of friction with their significant other if they, they don't do triathlon, because it does take a lot of time away. But, you know, we've worked through that. And my husband knows that this is, this is who I've become and what I love and we make it work and, you know, it takes a lot of communication, but it's, it's something that's really important to me. And, you know, I'm, I do make sacrifices missing some things, but the important things, you know, I get there and I get it done. Um, We do a training camp up in Lake Placid where we bring a bunch of athletes up, probably like 25 to 40 athletes up will come up and train on course and all our coaches are out there and this year it falls on the day that my son graduates from eighth grade so um training camp is super important to me I want to be there I want to be there for my athletes I need to be at my son's graduation so I'm I'm fitting it all in I'm flying home from Saranac Lake, New York. I'm going to the graduation and the next morning I'm going back to training camp and I'm there for two days. And then I'm driving home early in the morning and throwing my kids, the younger ones, stuff in the car to go to sleep camp for, for three weeks. So, um, I make it all happen and I make sure that, you know, everyone's okay with it. So again, you know, you prioritize what's, what's important. So, and I've I've gotten past the fact like for a while I was, you know, definitely a little bit insecure. What do people think? Like, you know, there's I, I told you I've been called out before. I'm, I'm selfish doing this, but I know that I'm not. And I do know that my kids love what I do. And I just hope that some of these, you know, younger girls, you know, I can inspire them that, you know, even as a mom, you can you can be sporty and you can still do these things that you love.
0: So what are you training for now?
1: I'm training for Lake Placid. Um, again, that's my, my A race. So that's end of July, July 23rd. I'll do a half Ironman the first weekend in June. Those are kind of my two like big races. I used to do a ton of tries when I was doing the shorter course stuff. But when you go long, it's harder to kind of fit them in. So those are the only two on my schedule right now, but I usually pick up a late season racer too, two. And, um, as I mentioned before, I would like to go back to some of the, the shorter stuff just cause it's, it's fun and it's different. And I think it's, it's good to, to mix it up a little bit.
0: And what's your training like right now? It's big. <laughs> it's really, um, <laughs> um, you know,
1: I'm kind of like in the, in the thick of it right now. So, you know, when we get off the phone, I'll be on my bike for two hours and then I've got an hour run afterwards. Um, you know, Thursday, I'm doing a century ride and a short run off the bike. Um, you know, I'm swimming longer. I'm going to get to the open water soon, which is kind of exciting. So, you know, things definitely, you know, start to ramp up. But I, I do I do like this time because, you know, you kind of carry, you know, a base, you know, throughout the winter. And then this is the time of year where you start to, you know, feel really fit and starting right. to get race ready. So it's
0: fun. Right. And do you strength train?
1: I do. I think that is such an important piece, especially um, for women athletes as we get older. Um, and it's one of the things that definitely falls by the wayside for athletes, especially as we get into this time of the year when they have to, you know, take on more swim, bike, and run volume. But I started working with—I'm super, super lucky. Um, I coach compu trainer classes, where you set your bike up on a on a trainer that's kind of attached to a computer, and um, at this facility and some two guys came in and the head strength and condition coach used to be the head strength and conditioning coach for the LA Lakers. So these guys are incredibly knowledgeable. They have their PTs by background as well, but they love the coaching side of things. So they've really been helping me with kind of these little nagging injuries that we all kind of experience. And I'm really starting to love the whole, you know, I've always done strength training, but I feel like I have a really specific plan based on what my goals are. So I'm really motivated by the strength piece of it um, this season, for sure.
0: Nice. And do you cross-train at all? I mean, I, I don't know how you'd fit that in, but...
1: You know, more so in the, in the off-season. Um, and, you know, by cross-training, you know, I'm like riding a fat bike, um, that kind of thing. But, you know, I still, like I said, you know, I wouldn't call golf cross-training, but I'm still, you know, super active. I play tennis here um, at home with a group of my girlfriends. I love golf. I try to get out there. And play golf is as much as I can. I love to snowshoe, cross country ski. I love to run trails in the off season. So movement is so important to you know who I am. And again, there's times where I don't want to move, but I know if I do, I'll just be a much happier person. And once I'm out there, just it's it's who I am. So um, I'm up for anything.
0: Right. And you said you have a coach yourself.
1: I do, mm-hmm. and I always will. Um, <laughs> I just, I know what I need to be doing, but I like to be held accountable by, by someone else. And I want someone who, you know, can help me kind of break out of my, my comfort zone. If I was to program my workouts, I think again, you know, something, if you're not, you know, paying for it, like kind of who cares, but if you're being held accountable and someone's looking over, you know, all of your data, it, it kind of, you know, pushes you to that, that next level. So, Jeffrey Capabianco, the head coach for Breakthrough Performance Coaching. Um, he is kind enough to to coach me and you know, I, I learn a lot from what he programs for me for workouts and talking to him about, you know, my results and my metrics. So I'm I'm super grateful for that.
0: And what are your biggest struggles?
1: <sighs> my biggest struggle. So I'm not the swim is 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 the hardest discipline for me, um, I feel like you know I, I'm a I'm a solid swimmer, but I'm not top of my age group in the swim by any means. Um, I get through it just fine, but I feel like people like myself who didn't grow up swimming competitively, um, the swim is so technical that it's really difficult to get a lot better without spending a lot of time in the pool. So, the swim is definitely it's that's, that's the toughest component for me. So, um,
0: so what are your goals
1: for me? Um, I don't feel like I've been able to, um, accomplish or execute the run I would like to have off the bike in Lake Placid. So I would, you know, really like to have a solid run, um, this year in Lake Placid and, you know, that's my goal. But when it comes down to it, to be completely honest with you, I feel so grateful, you know, at my age that I'm able to, you know, do what I do and, you know, crossing any finish line and doing an Ironman is just, you know, such a a huge success in my mind. So again, you can't put too much pressure on yourself. That's how I feel about it. I do the sport because I love it. I don't do the sport because I'm trying to, you know, get somewhere or prove something to someone else. I do it because it really brings joy and satisfaction to me in my life.
0: Cool. And you mentioned, you mentioned nutrition And I always like to ask my guests about their nutrition and, you know, their favorite foods and stuff. So how does nutrition fit into your life? Not only, I guess, not only into your training life, but also your family life.
1: You know, so it's something that I've decided to take a, you know, harder look at this year. I've always considered myself a pretty healthy person, but you know, you get a little bit older and hormones kick in. And, you know, when I first started this, I felt like, oh, I'm doing Ironman. I'm riding my bike, you know, a million miles a week. I can eat whatever I want. And that's not really the case anymore. So, you know, incorporating some recovery, um, eating after those intense workouts has become something that I'm focusing on more so these days. So, you know, in the morning, if I'm not having a super intense or long workout i would say my kind of favorite go-to is eggs three eggs with a ton of vegetables spinach peppers avocado i just throw whatever vegetables i have in a pan with coconut oil and eggs and you know getting that protein and carbs from from my vegetables Um, i'm a huge egg fan oftentimes i you know i do smoothies a lot as well berries bananas almond milk coconut milk Little protein powder, big, big smoothie person. My kids have taken on smoothies now. They love them, which is great. My oldest brings one to school every day. My youngest has one before school every day. So we do a ton of smoothies in the house and have fun with kind of creating new smoothie recipes on our own, which is great. I, for the like big, intense workouts where I need to really focus on, you know, carb loading. Um, my new favorite this year is I do a healthy French toast with a healthy bread, like an Ezekiel bread dipped in egg with a little bit of almond milk and cinnamon, and then I just load it with, you know, fresh berries and maple syrup. Um I also make my own granola which I love. I love food. I could go on and on and on <laughs> about food. <laughs> Lunch is usually a uh, you, I, have you heard the term I just learned a BAS, a big ass salad, a big ass salad with a ton of protein. My salad bowl, people can't believe how much salad I eat. There's not a lot that I don't eat. I, you know, I definitely I I eat red meat. I eat carbs, I eat grains, but I try to time when i'm eating them and when i need them. So really trying to focus on and fueling for you know performance and fueling for, you know, moving my body.
0: So so you're eating your bready grainy carbs before a workout?
1: Yeah, before a workout or sometimes, you know, the night before a workout. Right. Um the day before Ironman, that's like super exciting because you get to like eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's kind of disgusting how much we eat the day before Ironman just to top off those glycogen stores. But I mean, it's like pancakes and waffles and eggs and bacon. And, um, you know, we try to stay away from the fruits and vegetables, how we normally, eat cause there's too much fiber, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a lot of food. We kind of taper our eating throughout the day. So the, your breakfast, you want to be eating by nine and that's your biggest meal of the day. And then, you know, kind of small snacks throughout the day. Pretzels are kind of my go-to, carby and salty. And then lunch is usually, you know, a a turkey sandwich. And then dinner is, and I don't love pasta, but I do eat it before Iron Man. It's, you know, pasta, pretty plain with just like a marinara sauce and some, some chicken. I do feel incredibly full and kind of gross and thick, but, you know, I know that I need it and it seems to, you know, suit me well that day what doesn't suit me well is all the sugar and goo and crap that you eat, you know, while you're on course and on the bike. So the day after Ironman, I just, you know, you don't even want to look at another bar, or cliff shot or gel or any of that stuff. But during the race I feel like I know that my body needs that, and so I take it. It's just the day after I don't feel so great. Right. But I do I do feel stronger this year now that I've kind of changed my focus. On nutrition, what I'm eating, when I'm eating, timing is 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 really key, and also that that strength piece, um, having a really structured strength plan. Um, You know, when I kind of this year, I was like, okay, what are my goals going to be for 2018? The two things for me are like, I've been doing this for a long time, but I've never really focused on nutrition. And I haven't had I've always done strength, but I've kind of just done whatever strength wise, having a plan for both of these two, it's kind of giving me a kind of a newfound energy. So I'm excited to see how it's going to play out on race day.
0: Oh, that's fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate talking to you and i'm really grateful that we got this time
1: i am too thank you so much i love everything you're you're doing my new thing is when i pick up carpool i i throw on one of your your podcasts i've got a half an hour drive over there and then i usually sit in line for a while and it's it's kind of my new passion so um thanks for all the great content and um keep doing what you're doing because i think it's oh, awesome
0: well thank you very much i appreciate that yeah
1: absolutely great absolutely
0: well have a wonderful bike ride
1: Thank you. You have a great day as well.
0: Thanks to you for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast. Spread the word about fantastic, strong women speaking up and doing amazing things. Please subscribe on iTunes and encourage people you know to do the same. It really does help more people find the podcast. There are some fun episodes already in the can, so keep listening. Thanks to Agnes Studio, the blog, She Rides Her Bike, gold mines, and Leap Strategies for super support and partnerships. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bye-bye.